While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. great second first repeat guest (laughs) (laughs) you've chosen so well you guys i can't even you won't be disappointed (laughs) who won't be disappointed no one i was that was i was being margaret (laughs) oh wait what i don't know he was saying i should be saying you won't be disappointed but like there are some things that go without saying, Andrew. That's true. I should have I should have known. I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, I guess I forgive you. Okay, Craig, hit me with this. You ran a 10K today, but not for any reason except to see if you could. Which seems which seems ridiculous to me. No, this no, is no. Just, Andrew recognized that my emotional understanding of him had evaporated and he wanted to make sure that my emotional understanding of you also evaporated. Yeah. Right. Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. And my name is Andrew. And my name is Margaret. Margaret's joining us to talk about that time that I ran a long ways. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> that time earlier today. Sometimes, what you don't understand why I did that. Sometimes people eat like real hot food or spoonfuls of cinnamon or, or beer with too many hops in it. Yeah. Or a drink a gallon of milk and they do it for the internet. I ran just to run. Like Forrest Gump. I'm not sure what the connection is supposed to be. Are you judging people who do things for the internet? Or are you just saying that sometimes people do things? Yeah, because that's things... pretty tenuous when you're like doing a podcast for the internet. <laughs> and there's like <laughs> no, there's no rhyme or reason to the things that happen in everybody's lives. No, well, yeah, we are all just atoms bouncing against each other until the world dies. Um, <laughs> I was saying that sometimes people just do things to do to see if they can do them like can okay. i eat this pepper filled with ghost spiders can i <laughs> drive a car up the grand canyon can i raise a child and pay for them to go to college people do all sorts of things i don't know how many people have kids just to see like you know <laughs> just to you see what i think can. you know what i wonder if i can do Hey guys, hey guys, hey guys, hey guys, who's going to give me $5 if I have a kid and get it all the way through college? Hey guys, I think I could do it. That's basically what I mean, if guess the once kid you from adjust your lunch... for inflation, yeah. it would be like $20. Did you guys not have that kid at your lunch table who would be like, who's going to give me a dollar if I, if I dunk this pickle in chocolate milk and eat it? No, Someone I was a, a girl. We, we didn't do things like that. Oh, oh. Ours was a more subtle warfare. <laughs> This wasn't warfare. This was like peacockery. It was not. You know, no one was like fighting about chocolate milk pickles. Well, and it's also the kid economy is. You know, the the kid gross national product or whatever it is is <laughs> kid GDP is like daring daring people to do gross things. Lemonade stands, paper route, like maybe mowing. And stealing. Mm-hmm. Those are the five pillars of the kid economy. <laughs> and maybe stealing. Yeah. And there's like there's like gradations of stealing too, right? There's like out and out stealing, and then there's like number one most popular kid method of stealing, which is like your parent asks you to go and pick up milk at the store and they give you a twenty and you just keep the change. Right. That was like eighty percent of my income between the ages of say nine and seventeen. I want to give you... They were uh, having a reverse sale at the milk store. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I totally bought a few CDs by, like, not buying everything I needed to buy for lunch and just pocketing that money for a period of time. But I want to give you props, Margaret, for your milk scam because what I would have done was given the correct change back, but I would have just, like, bought a chocolate bar and said that the milk cost more. Yeah, your mom That's, would have known what was up. It's not like she. It's always not her first time up. buying milk. Come on, <laughs> kids. Like if you can convincingly, if you can lie convincingly enough that your parents 
actually like are actually tricked when you're mm. less mm. than 17 like then you're just full on bad seed sociopath <laughs> <laughs> lock you up right now yeah i once i once got crap from uh my mom because i told her i was finished with my homework and followed it up with the phrase i'm not even lying <laughs> I still get I still get crap for that today. <laughs> Have I told the story on the show before the one where um, my sister cut my little brother's hair and I then told and then told him not to tell mom and so Nick went up to mom and said no one cut my hair. <laughs> it was the perfect it was the perfect crime but somehow she cracked the case. Why is he the cyclops from the Odyssey? Like how did that know. goof work? I don't know. <laughs> um, so this is a show about about books. Um, <laughs> this week we could just be a show about swapping stories. Yeah, we could yeah. just tell tales out of school the whole time, and I'm sure that will happen a little bit more. But um, this week, Craig and I are having very special guest Margaret H. Willison back on the show because it was pretty fun last time. Yeah, <laughs> for all I for mean, all I had concerns. a great time. Yeah, <laughs> she's at Mrs. Friday next on Twitter. Just getting a little brand promotion in there. Um, Margaret, what did you what did you read for our show this week? <laughs> well, the actual origin story of this is that I read a Judy Bloom book for a pop culture happy hour on NPR, and in the midst of reading that, I was also trying to fall asleep at night listening to your podcast. Which mm. guys, I tell you, it's really not effective. You're way too interesting. I was I had to- That's very nice of you. Or we cause such nightmares that you couldn't possibly <laughs> get any Guys, 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 I gotta, I gotta stay up and listen to this milk story. <laughs> but the point is, I was listening to your podcast at like 12.37 at night. Uh, and I was about thinking right about time. Judy yep. Bloom, mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I've never read. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. That's... And I was like, I have to read it for overdue. Like, this has to be an episode. And I wrote you to an email right then and there where I was like, guys, uh, this has to be an episode. This is an opportunity we have to act upon. And you guys were on board. And uh, that's how I arm wrestled my way back into your arms. (laughs) (laughs) Did you arm wrestle either of us? Who did you arm wrestle to get into our arms? That's just my standard term for uh, persuading people. I like Uh, that. My my go-to line is that I arm wrestle socially awkward men into being friends with me. But like, that doesn't really apply in this circumstance because neither of you two are, well, at least not in my time being friends with you have ever been particularly socially awkward. We do a pretty good job of faking it, I think. Actually, the, um, you know, you know, if you've ever tried to get on like Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy, you know that there's like a testing process that they make you go through before you're on the show. Mm -hmm. Don't open that wound. I'm just going to say No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not asking you to tell about your particular experience. I'm just saying. That the process for getting on our show involves like a sphinx riddle and arm wrestling and a scavenger hunt where each clue is more insidious and complicated than the last. That would be great. I would be so into that. If that were true. Anytime (laughs) you guys want to send me on a scavenger hunt, you just (laughs) let me know. You don't even have to reward me at the end. A scavenger hunt is its own reward. (laughs) So... So Margaret, you've never read this book, right? But because you had read Judy Bloom. What do you? What do we know about Judy Bloom? What's her deal? Of, I'd read some Judy Bloom. I read Forever when I was in library school, but that is basically it. And then I read okay. just recently uh, in the unlikely event. However, oh, you did. Like, okay, like I'm a woman. Like I'm pretty sure that like when you get your period, like along with it, also just comes like a general awareness. Of, like, everything that Judy Bloom is about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, like, go to the store, and they're like, is this your first pack of pads? And you're like, yes, it is. And they're like, here, have a pamphlet about Judy Bloom. Here's your, here's your copy of Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. <laughs> um, so, so Judy Bloom is a pretty baller lady. Uh, she is a children's uh, author of some remarkable standing in the community, who's also pretty remarkable and noteworthy because she's incredibly frank about a lot of stuff that people think you're not supposed to talk to kids about. Like, your period, and like, sex, 
and like how to have safe sex and what the first time you have sex is going to feel like and scoliosis and all kinds of fun stuff. And she's also written a bunch of books for wait, adults. Did, wait, 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 wait. Did you just say like sex and then sex and then se- and then scoliosis? Yeah. Is that Jeannie, what just it's happened? It's a very famous book about a girl who <laughs> discovers she has scoliosis and it ruins her modeling career. Oh, no. Yeah. It's real tragic, guys. Uh. I assume based on essays that I've read about other people reading it. <laughs> Wait, not essays by people who've read it, but essays about people who have read the book? Probably both. Probably okay. both. Okay. Craig, I've read, read any... a lot of secondary source material about children's <laughs> books I've never read. <laughs> Craig, have you read any Judy Bloom? Because I I dip my toe in that pool, but it was all like the fudge books. So like Tales I... of a Fourth Grade Nothing. Yeah, uh, I feel like fudge, I read that. Of course. Mm-hmm. Fudge-a-mania. <laughs> Um, by the time Double Fudge came out Stop. in 2002, I'm not, no, these are the names of the books. These are, these are the <laughs> names. By the time Double Fudge came out, I think I, I had outgrown the Fudgeiverse. <laughs> I think I read Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, but I, I don't know that I could tell you what it was about. Except That's the one where Fudge grade. eats the turtle. <laughs> oh, I, I, eats I do his remember brother's that. pet turtle. I yeah. do remember that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why that like spawned some primal response. <laughs> yeah, Craig is about to bust out into that uh, bridge in Total Eclipse of the Heart. Where she's like, I can barely recall, but it's all coming back to me I just want everybody listening to know that like I did take care to like lean away from the microphone while I busted that out because very I don't consider it. I'm on a podcast with two like classically trained singers. And I'm uh-huh. the one who's That's saying. true. That's me. That's us. Yeah. So you're welcome, listening what else, audience. What else should we know about Judy Bloom? I found out that she grew up in New Jersey. That's yes. interesting. Yeah, yes, Elizabeth, in Elizabeth, New, New Jersey. Jersey. Just around the corner from me. Which, incidentally, is uh, what her adult book is sort of about, which is about a series of plane crashes that took place in 1951 and 1952 in uh, Elizabeth and Newark. Did you read that thing about how one of the reasons that it was so traumatic to her other than like the fact that a hundred people died in those yeah. crashes and it was other like than th- the fact that it was like transparently traumatic in every possible way well and three kit like three in two years or something yep. like that one year but three in like six months her dad was a dentist which meant he helped identify the bodies oh, oh. that happens to one that, of the characters in the book that is crazy that that was based on her real life I had not even thought that dentists would get called in to do that kind of stuff. (laughs) I just thought they, like, drilled holes in kids' teeth. (laughs) No, have you ever seen a crime procedural, Craig? Of course they use dental records. But, like, using dental records feels like it's a step removed. That feels like the police call you and your receptionist is like, oh, sure, like, I'll fax those over to you. That's a totally different thing than like having to come and like look at like the charred corpse and like be like, oh, oh, yeah, I recognize I mean, I got, that filling. That's somebody. That's somebody mine. has to do it. You can't just lift up your phone and be like, hey Siri, whose teeth are these? No, <laughs> you probably can. Siri is very smart. Okay. Except about periods. <laughs> Bringing it all back around to um to the before central get... thematic content of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Um, before we get to the book proper margaret i wanted to talk if you knew anything about uh Jew bloom's kind of staunch uh stance against censorship uh, because I some of her ever? books <laughs> i thought you would her books have dealt like you said in such uh risque material for books about us what who are ostensibly kids right um so that she's had a lot of flack thrown her way and her books have been yeah, banned and they've been censored banned and, and challenged She's challenged constantly. I doubt okay. she's. I doubt that she is often successfully banned. Okay, fair enough. Like that was my overly technical librarian side <laughs> coming through. That's. I didn't know that actually. That that was like a fine distinction. What is well, the distinction there? The distinction there is basically like lots of people write into libraries and are like, mm, "You shouldn't have this book in here. Let me make a really dumb argument about it." And at most libraries, there's somebody whose job it is to read those and be like, well, thank you for your perspective, but here are the valid collection development reasons why we're not going to listen to you at all and why we're going to keep having Judy Bloom in our library. 
I like sassy librarians. Because <laughs> well, like librarians are cool because they have stuff like Band Books Week. And so I worked in the library and every Band Books Week, they would have this glass case just full of books that had been banned ever or were like frequently challenged as if to say, like, come at these books. Yeah. <laughs> come at it. Open I mean, that's season it. on these books. Let's go. <laughs> one of my friends had one of her books challenged a while ago, and it was like a really, really awful experience for her. Um, and like one of my lines going through, I was like, "But you, what you need to understand is that this is like just a badge of honor. That like nothing is going mm. to make librarians go to the mat for your book harder." Then some bigots being like, oh, the way she described holding hands was pornographic and it's inappropriate for our 17 year olds to read, which is a real thing that these people claimed about her book. Whoa, really? Really? I was going to say that that's quite a needle to thread. Scouts (laughs) honor, guys. Scouts honor. A very sweet book about a pair of teenagers falling in love for the very first time and deciding not to have sex with each other. Apparently, like it's detailed descriptions of teenagers holding hands were just too much. Just way, way over the line. All right. I'm scandalized just hearing about it. Right. Well, scandalize us, Margaret. Tell us about this book. Is God there? Who's Margaret? What's happening? Judy Bloom's deal is that her plot, her her books are like there's usually a plot, but it's it's more about like little character moments. At least, you know, as I Yeah, that is super true of this book. There is definitely a point in this book where there's like a time jump of a month. And I was certain that the ebook I'd checked out of the library had just like had like a glitch or just like skipped like 20 pages that should have been there. I had to scan back and forth through it like three or four times because it ends off at a pretty climactic scene. And then it's just like a month later for no reason (laughs) with none of the stuff from that climactic scene being resolved. And you're like, oh, oh, well, I, I guess that's one way to play it, Judy. So what is this book about? This book is about 11-year-old Margaret Simon. She uh, is moving from New York to the suburbs of New Jersey with her parents, and she has no religion officially, but a very personal relationship with God, wherein she just addresses her concerns to him very directly. Okay. Her concerns are basically, please, God, let me be normal. Please, God, would you make my boobs grow already? And please, God, make sure I'm not the last one of my friends to get my period because I'll just die. And also there's a sort of sub journey where she's like trying to figure out like, what's the deal with religion? And her religious life is so fraught because her mom is Christian and her dad is Jewish. And her mom's parents actually disowned her and stopped speaking to her for 14 years when she married her dad. Hmm. Um... And what's fascinating is, like, that for me is, like, a substantially, like, that's a much bigger narrative attractor for my attention. Yeah, than yeah. Than, like, I just, I'm 11 and I just want to be normal. Um, and, like, you don't get to understand, like, this book is not interested in what's going on with her parents or what their emotional life is with regards to, like, parental rejection and family abandonment and all of that stuff. Like, huh. shit happens with all of that. I always forget if this podcast is clean or not. It is, but it's not a big deal. It's not now. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what keep I'm it, saying keep is... Keep it rolling. Some stuff goes down with uh, her mom's relationship to her estranged parents. And, like, you really don't get much... Like, the biggest focus the book has on that is that, like, it prevents Margaret from taking a vacation she wanted to take to Florida with her other grandma. Well, because it's, is it told from Yeah, it's completely, yeah. yeah. if it's not first person, I think it's third person omniscient. Like, like as in like, close, you have a complete like a view of everything that's person? going on in Margaret's head, but yeah. not a complete view of everything that's going on in everyone else's head. Okay, um, okay. But, like, the book starts out, and it's like, so, I've studied children's literature, I have an idea of how all this stuff works, um... So, like, I knew what I was coming into. I knew that I was coming into a book that was probably going to be about periods, and I knew that there was going to be a lot of repeating of the phrase, I must, I must, I must increase my bust. Which, like, somebody should make that into a ringtone for their phone. Just me saying, I must, I must, I must increase my bust. Now what? Or, like, a cross-stitch pillow or something. Or like, both. 
Okay. okay. What is like, the, I'm sure the, you can already buy it as a cross-stitch pillow. Like, this is a the, seminal book. What's the deal with that mantra? Like That mantra is the mantra that you say while you do these little exercises that are supposed to make your boobs grow. Okay. And, so wait, um, real quick. When was this book? This was 1972? 1970. 1970. 1970. Okay. I definitely this, thought it was earlier. Is this a thing that you experienced, Margaret? Like how much of... So like as we, as we kind of dive into this like pre-adolescent uh, girl ritual... Ex- bust exercises right (laughs) like how much of that is a thing that occurred in the 90s i can't really speak to how much of it was a thing that occurred in the 90s i'm sure you're gonna get a lot of people who write in and say that they read this book when they were like nine and it was everything that they wanted to know about everything it was like a godsend for them Mm -hmm. for me like these Margaret Simon's concerns are the absolute inverse of Margaret H. Willison's concerns at that same age, which is like, she's very eager for her bust to increase and to get her period. And I was like, please keep all of that shit away from me (laughs) as long as possible. And like her primary narrative concern is like, she just wants to be normal. She wants to be normal among her peers. And my primary narrative concern was like, when is somebody going to show up? Tell me I'm not normal and be like, here's a magic sword. Please save the kingdom. <laughs> that was absolutely my frame on life. <laughs> someone needed you to some. You needed someone to show up and be like, hey, I need you to take this to Mount Doom. You needed to be never ending storied. Uh huh. <laughs> right. So for me, it's like I think even if this book had been presented to me at the age appropriate moment. It would not, I wouldn't have much emotionally connected to it, despite my um, noted egomaniacal love of anyone who shares my name. Fictional characters (laughs) with my name are my favorite fictional characters consistently. But it sounds like you didn't, even thinking like in retrospect, you didn't really identify with the experience in this book. Yeah, my experience of pre-adolescence was very different. Um, Mm -hmm. and when she moves to this neighborhood, she sort of falls in with this very tight knit, but pretty shitty group of girlfriends, I can say from, you know, an adult vantage point. And like, I had my period where I fell in with a tight, but pretty shitty group of girlfriends, but it wasn't until a year later. It happened when I started middle school. And at that point, like, there was a little bit less play acting involved. You know, like when you're 11 and you're talking about boys, you're basically, it's just like a dress rehearsal for when you're actually going to have feelings about boys. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I was 12 going on 13 and I was in with this mean girls, this sort of click, um, like there was a little bit more skin in the game for all of us when we were (laughs) obsessing about boys and our busts increasing or not and so forth. Uh, but there are some things that are key, like like one of her mean girlfriends is like, we're having a secret society and we're all going to have made up names and everybody has to wear a broad every single outing of it. And that means that Margaret has to like rush out and get like a training bra with her mom. Okay. And like, this is actually like, I remember in seventh grade, I didn't need a bra yet, but it was like summertime and we started wearing spaghetti strap tank tops and like it was like a thing it was like you could see which girls were wearing them and which girls weren't mm-hmm. and that was the moment that you knew like you needed to have the right straps there even if there was nothing for them to hold up yet <laughs> um huh. and so like you would go with your mom and it would be absolutely mortifying it would be like the worst day of your entire life um which, is that, by the way, is that how is that how Margaret lives it in the book? Like, is that does that scene happen, or does something her, similar happen? Her scene, her experience of getting her bra for the first time is definitely less traumatic than mine was because she is taken to a nice, well lit department store, and on her way out, she sees like another one of her friends in there getting a bra, and so like they both pretend that they're shopping for flannel pajamas, but they both know what's up. <laughs> so. And you had to go in the in an alley behind went, behind no, a no, behind guys. a sheets guys. gas station and buy a people are going to be learning a-, a lot about my journey through puberty when they listen to this. And what I'm going to tell you is that we went to Lady Grace in Brookline Village, and it was me and like a raft of sixty-seven to seventy-five year old Russian ladies. 
Okay. And like one of the Russian ladies was trying bras on in the changing room and she did not even bother to like pull that curtain closed. She didn't even make an attempt. So I just walked in there with my training bras and I was confronted with like the ultimate decay of the female figure. And I was oh, like, God. Well, Jeez. might as well just die now. Well, we all got to grow up sometime. It's literally all downhill from here. Margaret, <laughs> that, that woman's been Russian for 70 years. She doesn't care. She could do what no. she needs to do. No. And like, God bless. Like, like I hope someday to be that old lady. <laughs> like, to open some other young girl's eyes. Yeah. I, I aspire to being all out of fucks to give. <laughs> so she can talk about it on a podcast. Exactly. But like, at... 12 like I still had a lot of fucks to give and like like it just like short circuited my brain and I think it made me convinced for much longer than it should have been that I was still in a cup because I was just so unwilling to go back to a bra shop and get measured <laughs> this bra's good it'll last me for the rest of my life I that's fine I need another one again yep absolutely <laughs> all right there is not there is not an analog Right, Andrew? Is there an analog? Like, uh, let me go buy the dude clothing. Like, there's no, there's nothing there. Um, I mean, it, it's it's less universal, I think. Like, when uh, I played seventh grade football, I had to go. Oh, you got a cup. You got a jockstrap. With, <laughs> with my mother. Uh-huh. I did a, that for baseball. To yeah. a sports supply shop. Uh-huh. The local sports suppliery and get a cup for my zone with my mom <laughs> which was not a blast <laughs> like it all, it all ended see some fine. like some like air dried decrepit dongs in the process <laughs> yeah there aren't like old guys just like checking out the sporting the sporting crotches no like as i recall you don't need to like you don't need to go and try it on and make sure it fits like i think they just give you one and then that's your cup now <laughs> well and no one is like at school like oh man do you have your cup yet like how's that going God, if i don't buy my Nobody cup like... if i don't buy my cup soon i'll just die i'll be mortified <laughs> That's just not a thing that happens. So we no, had it. We know. had it like easy. My, my puberty experience all happened like behind closed doors because I don't know, Craig. Like we came up as the internet was becoming a thing, and so I think that's how we. At least that's how I got access to a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't have had access to just yet. <laughs> oh, do you mean porn? Yes, pornography. <laughs> we exactly. found. We found. Uh, some sort of like knockoff hustler magazine in my friend's backyard. That's what that's they look how at Playboy I got it. In that's this, how I got educated. In this book, they look at um like Margaret finds her dad's Playboy and all of the preteen sensations, that's what they call themselves. They like Whoa. get together and look at it and they're like, Do you think we're ever gonna be that big? Looking <laughs> oh, at your man. Jeez. I think that was a very um, like seventies, eighties kid experience. The like dad's going in, Playboy go, going into the woods and looking at <laughs> looking yeah. at the Playboy that you found. <laughs> well, because like now, yeah, kind of thing. Now it is. It's really just like, oh, oops, I opened porn. Like at right. this point, it's you don't even have to find it. It's just waiting there behind everything you actually want to look at. Yep, Porn's I was just there, there in you. that narrow window of time where, like, if you wanted porn, you had to like know to look for it so what we yeah. did instead is we would just go into chat rooms and like at sleepovers you would like start having like chat like they'd be like like what a what a you know <laughs> and you would all like giggle and be like ah, oh my god and then you would just close out immediately <laughs> like that was our version of sexual experimentation AOL nothing chat nothing bad has ever come from any of those things no lots of bad things have come from those things <laughs> Just for the record, just put it. Yeah, just don't, to put it down. kids. If you're listening to this, one, don't swear like me, and two, do not, do not go into chat rooms with strangers. It's a bad plan, mom. That never happened. <laughs> if you're listening, so this it's, it's. I mean, most of this book just sounds like it's about a girl's journey through puberty, which yep. is, I guess, why it's it's well regarded because especially at the time i don't think there were probably a lot of kids books or like books for 
Like I, I think this book was written for the people in she the age group that pioneer. Margaret belongs in. Right. Judy Blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of like knowing that kids are naturally going to be curious about this kind of stuff and feeling like, you know what? If they're curious, why don't we take care and tell them in an honest way, an honest and direct way? Right? Like that's mm-hmm. basically everything that she's about. Where she's just like, I understand how pre-teenagers work. And instead of leaving them to the devices of, like, finding things out from their friends, let me just write to them about this stuff, honestly. Which I think is pretty great. It just so happens that I was not an 11-year-old who was that curious about it. I was just an 11-year-old who was, like, full of silent dread. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is so how is that stuff handled in the book? Like, is, is it very clear that she's writing for that age group? Is she just kind of writing for anyone where... It's just kind of like, come at me, like, here's life. Does that make sense? Like, is she writing for a young audience? She's definitely writing for girls Margaret's age or younger. Okay. Um, And, like, that's exemplified by, again, like, how much meaty stuff is going on with Margaret's parents and how little we seem to care about it at all. Okay. Um, Okay. So, like, for example, like I said... Uh, Margaret's mom sends a Christmas card to her estranged parents and her estranged parents send back a letter being like, hey, it's been 14 years, but we're getting older and we kind of regret the fact that we just cut you out of our lives for marrying a Jew. <laughs> oh, man. So we're going to fly to New Jersey and stay with you for a week and we'd really like to see Margaret. Um, and like, again, your primary point of view on that is just like Margaret is pissed that um, that she's going to miss out on this vacation to Florida with her other grandmother who really wants her to be Jewish. Mm -hmm. Um, And they come and you get to see them have one scene where they're like, Margaret, how do you like Sunday school? And Margaret's like, we don't practice any religion and I don't go to Sunday school. And her mom is like, you guys knew that. And they were like, well, we thought you changed. And she was like, nope. And her parents are like, well, in light of that, then peace. But Margaret, just so you know, you're still a Christian because it's always about what your mom's religion is. And that is literally the last we see of them. They're like, well, we're going to go to New York instead of staying with you guys. And that's it. And you never get to hear anything about the mom's emotional journey with regards to all of that. Hmm. Because I guess it's not about her. Even though. Right. Like I mean, that, I guess that's like, just that's really cool of of them. Like that, that's a fun kind of conflict where the person on one side of it decides that they're done being mad and invites you to <laughs> invites you to also instantly stop being mad about it. Like ugh. right, but still wants to have their way. Yeah, they yeah. seem like really shitty people. Um, but so and then the other journey in the book is just Margaret experimenting with lots of different religions. And not really finding anyone that suits her, but having this very direct personal relationship with God where she just asks him to make her boobs grow. There are scenes where she, like, stuffs cotton balls down her training bra and, like, looks at herself in the mirror and is like, God, don't you see how good this looks? God, are you getting any ideas? Oh. What is her idea of who God is? Does she have an idea? It's not really addressed beyond just she knows that she has this relationship with him and she talks to him all the time, but it doesn't fit into any of the organized religions that she visits. And I think her idea of him is just sort of like he's a confidant. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, But it is a guy. It's a it's a dude God. Huh. I don't think the gender is ever clear. Okay. I'm just, you know. Hopelessly mired in misogyny, so I naturally well, gender him male. Yeah, well, I mean, this is like 1970, so I assume that well, I. Well, I mean, I assume that if I assume that most people who are reading it would assume like a male god yes. because like that that image of the like beardy white guy god has been Santa Claus in a bathrobe. Yeah, mm-hmm. has been like so. Oh my god, have you ever seen God and Santa Claus together in the same room? Nope, dun, never. Dun, Craig, dun. I think you just blo- I think you just blew this whole thing <laughs> wide open. <laughs> oh my god, I'm being raptured. <laughs> <laughs> he knows too much. <laughs> I wasn't even wearing shoes. <laughs> How will you know what happened? Um, what was I talking about? Sorry, you were talking about um. We oh, God and Santa are the same person. What right, were you talking that, about? What was the last serious thing that I was talking about? <laughs> um, How in the 1970s people would probably have 
she would probably have assumed that her oh, readers yes. thought God okay, was Okay, yeah, that, that was the thread is, is what is it? Does it mean anything if she's talking to a male God or is it just incidental? I it's don't know. entirely incidental. Okay. Um, God's Fair only enough. role is like warm, concerned person with whom she can be completely frank. It hmm. seems like. Um, and beyond that, she doesn't seem to have any direct conception of Zim or Zer. To use the non-gender specific pronouns. Okay. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you, Margaret, about the the notion that this is my own this is kind of like my own background. The notion that some that a mixed religious family, specifically the Christian Jewish mm-hmm. family, would like be problematic is seems is does not jive with my experience. Like my experience as a kid, I knew a couple of people who came from that background. One of their parents seemed to care more than the other and they just kind of worked it out. Now maybe I didn't I you know, I wasn't privy to the rest of their family, so I don't know who was mad about what. But the kids I knew seemed to be fine with like, well, I get I get some presents on these days <laughs> and I get presents on this day and then like also, we celebrate Passover. Like, that seemed to be what the deal was. Is there... How does that jive in this book? And more... And as a larger question, like, religion in general. If she's trying out other religions in this book, the book's 40 years old. Like, what does that feel like? Um. Okay, so for your first question, I think what complicates this is that it's not merely that her parents... That she's a mixed religious household. It's that her parents have disavowed religion entirely. Oh, okay. Um, On account of, because her maternal grandparents' decision to stop speaking to their daughter was motivated by religious belief, they're just like, well, religious belief is garbage. We're not going to practice anything in our household. And Margaret, if you want to be religious when you're older, you can choose it for yourself when you grow up. Sure. Interesting. So are they like openly atheists or are they just kind of like lapsed whatever we just don't go and They're we don't openly think about atheists. It all that much? Like okay. Like they exchange gifts at Christmas because it's an American tradition but they refer to them as like American tradition gifts and stuff like that. <laughs> and this wasn't a problem for Margaret when they were living in New York but when they moved to New Jersey it's a major problem because there are lots of sort of like social engagements arranged around whether you're Jewish or whether you're Christian. Yeah, and so okay. it's like either you're going to join the YMCA if you're Christian or you're going to join the Jewish community center if you're Jewish and like she doesn't know what she's supposed to be and everybody's very anxious about it and both sets of her grandparents are like real anxious about it and want her to be on their team Hmm. um and you see that a little bit in like the one scene with her maternal grandparents but you see it a lot in her ongoing interactions with her maternal grandmother or paternal grandmother who's like super involved in her life and you get the sense that one of the tensions One of the reasons that they moved to New Jersey is to make it a little bit harder for uh, her paternal grandmother to exert so much influence on her. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons you grasp that that's the case is because her parents feel like Sylvia is really trying to pull Margaret into Judaism um, and they don't want that influence exerted on her. They want her to continue to be a-religious as long as she wants to be. You know, I I can't help but wonder... Like you hear primarily about like the 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 menstruation stuff when when people are talking about why this book gets challenged, but I can't help but wonder if some of that religious questioning and like ambiguity drove mm-hmm. some of the some of the efforts to get it banned or like some of the backlash to it. Right, and also probably just some of the like thoroughly a religious direct relationship with God that she has, mm-hmm. where it's like. She's not really praying to God, being like, please, God, like, take away my sins or anything like that, for the most part. She has, like, one conversation with him where she's done something that she's really ashamed of and she wants him to, you know, Be okay her. with it? Yeah. Yeah, just she be wants cool. to have somebody to talk about it with. Are you there, um, God? Please be cool. <laughs> Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Please so this is, be cool about this. This is not like Catholic God. This is like the God that helps people win football games. Yeah. Yeah. Exclusively. <laughs> okay. Or the God that gives people Grammys. Right. Or the I God think those that, might be the same, the same guy. Mm-hmm. The God that giveth trips to Florida with your paternal <laughs> grandmother. And also the God that taketh them away. 
Okay. He contains multitudes, that guy. Um, Or girl, whoever. And how it's weird, because it was written 40 years ago, the only religions that she tries are Judaism, and only one variety of Judaism. Uh And, like, three varieties of Christianity. And she does this as part of a year-long project for her teacher. He's like, just do a project about something that interests you. And so, like, what she decides to do her project on is sort of, like, religion and picking a religion and which one would she be. And there's, like, a line in her final project where she's like, I did not try to be a Muslim or a Buddhist. And Muslim is spelled M-O-S-L-E-M, which I yeah, think yeah. was, like, the thing then. That like, was the thing. Mm-hmm. That's how we were transliterating that Arabic word. Um, But either way, uh, she is doing that thing over there and like i don't think that would fly today like if you were no not at all writing that book right now like she would have to try like a much wider variety of religions oh i i yeah it's funny that you say that like you couldn't i don't think you could write this book now and not entertain uh experiencing you know the muslim faith or You know, experimenting. You would at least need to have the big three Judeo-Christian faiths, which you would have does to, encompass and, yeah, yeah. and hopefully ex- experiment a bit wider with you know your Christianity and your Judaism also. And I'll mm-hmm. confess ignorance; like I'm preposterously ignorant about different parts of the Muslim faith. You know, I know they mm-hmm. exist, but that is something I am not well versed in at all. So if I was Margaret, I might want to learn about that. Exactly. But let's say that. I yeah, I mean, I've got like the intro religion class under my belt. And that's, yeah, precisely. That's like about as much as I know. But, <laughs> but you know. Guys, like, guys, I'm kind of an expert on this. My roommate in college was a religious studies major. Oh, man. You know all of it. And thesis. So yeah. I basically know everything there is to know about Islam. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true at all. Uh, bef- before we start to wind down, I think we, we have some time left. Uh I want to ask about the grandparent thing for both of you guys. Cause the, like the overbearing grandparent thing is not part of my life experience. It's like, I grew up with one grandparent living in our house with us. Wow. Um, Who because... wasn't overbearing? No. Well, I mean, she had her Snaps things to your grandmother. <laughs> she was, <laughs> she was living with us. Be, uh, I think when I was little, I don't know if she'd had any health issues, but like basically my mom was taking care of her. In the latter part of her life, but the other side of the family I saw occasionally for a couple of years and then stopped seeing. So like, I don't have I don't identify with that experience of like watching my parents struggle to be told how to live their lives. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like where you watch an adult be forced to be a child again, <laughs> right? In a weird way, yeah, and and, and to like be asked to play off your parents like that's not a thing i have any experience with yeah i mean i've i've um kind of experienced it secondhand some but like firsthand the grandparent who everybody like secretly hates to deal with because they're always telling you like how did they they are a font of (laughs) like questionable life advice like that's that's not an experience i have i guess (laughs) Uh, yeah, and for me, it was like uh, my dad's side, I didn't call my grandma grandma. We called her Will, short for Willa Lee. Um, because, That's an awesome name. Because when she first became a grandmother, she was too young to be grandma. Mm. Uh, and she was like a very nice, uh, urbane lady who liked seeing me once a year and didn't really have much else to do with me, <laughs> which was cool by me. It was fine. Me and Willa Lee Willison, we got along A-OK. That's, whoa, that's a name. <laughs> She's very, uh, that set of grandparents, I didn't know Bob at all, but I also, I call him Bob, I don't call him grandma, Granddad, and like my main stories about him were like stories of his like social alcoholic hijinks. Like one time he climbed a telephone pole wearing a cowboy hat because he felt like nobody in the house was paying enough attention to him. Um, yeah. And uh, they weren't allowed to go out on uh, New Year's Eve. Because you referred to it as amateurs night <laughs> for drinking. Um, but I get the impression from the stories that I hear about those two that they're very like Don and Betty Draper. That oh, was really? their shtick. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my, Will was a model before she got married. So we have hmm. some like very alluring pictures of her with like baby 
Candace and like like the milk van and she's like selling milk in <laughs> Pittsburgh. My mom's mom. She she pulled I don't know how she did this, but at some point she or maybe my mom or somebody like got us to call her grandma darling, like grandma comma darling. <laughs> And then for a long stretch, like that was her. She was Grandma Darling. That's just, like that was it becomes her, that one was word name. at that. Yeah, point. it's like a, like an mm-hmm. epithet. That's kind of cool. cool. Like I hope that yeah. I can pull that kind. I'm of I'm definitely heist. filing that one away. Yeah, right. That's a great tactic. <sighs> um, and then my mom's parents were, I think, would have been much more involved and overbearing, but uh, we were like kind of geographically and ideologically removed. Mm. Mm. Um, so my mom is the only girl of four boys and the four boys are very peas in a pod. And my mom is a little bit black sheep, not in the mm. pod. Sure. So, cause um, sheeps, sheeps don't go in pods. Sheeps don't go in pods. Exactly. What is that sheep doing stomping all over that pod? What is even happening? <laughs> you got all the peas in the pod and then you have the black eyed peas <laughs> who are over to the side who don't go in the pod. Um, so like they probably would have been a little bit more overbearing if I was in uh, rural Pennsylvania, like right in their mm. purview and, mm. or if I had played a sport, right? My oh. grandfather was like very competitive about his grandchildren's athletic careers. Hmm. So right. to like, I guess to bring it back to the book for just like a minute before we wrap up, it's, it's, it's like Judy Bloom writes this book and she's very frank with kids about, about you know, what, what is normal, like what is happening to your bodies, like what, what the kind of questioning and, and learning and stuff that I would like, yeah, to, yeah which yeah. I would not say of forever. Forever is incredibly didactic, but it's okay. just, it's, it's interesting how, you know, she describes these experiences and there's not like a super heavy plot thread. And that, that has pretty much inspired us for most of the length of this podcast to just talk about like how those experiences how those right. experiences match up with ours rather than talking about the book directly. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I like, mean, that's like totally to know, fine for a podcast episode. I'd love to know you guys, like where, where were you when you first started your periods? <sighs> I was in a Walmart. No, I, I don't know. I never got <laughs> That is me. actually where the book ends, is by the way. I'm is still waiting. Is something wrong with, is something wrong with me, you guys? Um, that's where the book ends. Uh, there's this climactic scene where her grandparents like peace out and then you fast forward to a month later and she hands in her, this is my religious project for the year letter to her teacher. And then the final chapter is like, she's packing to get ready for summer camp and like she gets her period and everybody's really excited. And she's been icing God out for a few chapters because he didn't let her go to Florida (laughs) And then she starts talking to him again. And she's like, God, it happened. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I got my period. I'm normal. And Janie's going to be the last one who doesn't have it. <laughs> Poor Janie. I'm going like, to read the book about Janie. <laughs> Is anyone there? It's me, Janie. <laughs> I'm dead inside. It's me, Janie. <laughs> Real quick before we sign off, Margaret. Would you assume you had a 10-year-old daughter mm-hmm. would you give this to her book and say here's what's up give this to her book give this book to her and say here's what's up this is the kind of book that i don't think you should ever give to a child what i think you should do is you should just buy it and leave it lying around strategic places okay <laughs> so that if they are curious they have good material to hand to answer their questions but they don't have to contemplate the fact that you know that they're curious because that's the most mortifying thing in the entire world. Fair that enough. is, that's an interesting angle. So everybody buy a copy of our body, my body, myself, our bodies, ourselves, whichever <laughs> suits your fancy and just put it on a low shelf. Just put, under- it, uh, put it in the pantry next to the Swiss cake rolls. <laughs> what's, what's under all these cookies? Oh, it's Tropic of Capricorn. What's happening? <laughs> That's a very, that's a very specific kind of, <laughs> like a hands-off parenting style where you're just trying to nudge the ship in the right direction the whole time. Why is this SAT prep book covered in sandwiches? <laughs> What's going on? Who filled my Xbox with E.E. E. Cummings poems? <laughs> Dad. Exactly. Why'd you change my desktop wallpaper to this Claude Monet picture? 
I I had all this like Selena Gomez music and not the Beatles now. What happened? <laughs> Dad. <laughs> yep. Parenting, cool. like underground parenting. <laughs> Covert parenting. Covert parenting. You can't get caught doing it. <laughs> if you're doing it right, they won't know that you did anything at all. That's basically. the goal. Yeah. That's the dream. It's God's philosophy too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're there, God, you can send us some email at overduepod <laughs> at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at twitter.com slash yeah, God, pod. tweet at us. God, hey, God, do you have Facebook? Are, Are you, you there, on Facebook God? yet? Please especially tweet at me, Margaret. God at God.biz. <laughs> and if you're on Facebook, God, you should get on facebook.com slash pod and give us a like. Because I think your like would count for more than a, a mere mortal I think, like. I think when God's on Facebook, it's not a like, it's a blessing. <laughs> okay. And God, if you're there... Like, you don't have to increase my bust. Like, it's in pretty great shape. Um, Not to brag or anything. (laughs) Not to brag, but just to state, facts is facts. (laughs) I'm all set in that department. Um, Craig, if if God wants to find out more about... But, like, if you could give me, like, a J-Lo level booty, God, I'd be cool with it. Are you listening, God? Are you listening, God? if God wants to find out more about... Our show. He should fire up Internet Explorer and go where? He should go to OverdueGodcast.com. OverduePodcast.com uh, where he can find old episodes of the show. He can find Amazon links to the books that we've read and are reading soon. He can find links to our Stitcher, RSS, and iTunes feeds. If God uses iTunes, it'd be really great if he left a rating or a review of the show. It actually boosts us in the rankings and helps people discover the show and if god was super kind he would head on over to our patreon campaign uh and kick in a few extra books to uh help grow the show and uh keep it operating as smoothly as it's going um obviously it's very very smooth it's so smooth (laughs) margaret thank you so much for joining us anytime guys i feel like we should really close this one out with a nice little chant all three of us of I must. must. I must. I must. I must. I must increase my bust. I'm going to go work on that right now. Margaret, if people want to find you um, real quick, why don't you do some brand boosting? Uh, if people want to find me, they can talk to me on Twitter at, at Mrs. Friday Next. And if that's not sufficient for them, they can find the tiny letter that I run with my friend Sophie at tinyletter.com backslash two bossy dames. Uh, and I look forward to hearing from all of you. Especially about how phenomenal my bust is. <laughs> Don't talk to me about that. That's a joke. That's All a right, joke. everybody. <laughs> you guys you guys get on that. We'll be back next Monday. Until then, try to be happy.